Hello and thank you for joining Growing Tech Fast, the condensed org 3D podcast where we talk about growing tech startups with those who have grown them. Today I'm joined with Ben Keller, the founder of RentDrop. It's really great to have you on the podcast today, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. No, it is an absolute pleasure. So Ben, for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell me a little bit about your mission with RentDrop and the work you're doing? Sure. So um, I uh, I started RentDrop uh, last year with co-founder Remen, and our goal is to really improve the way in which you can pay for rent and collect rent as both a tenant and a landlord. Uh, it's one of the largest markets in the United States in terms of money transfer, uh, but there really hasn't been a ton of advancement or uh, improvement to the the way in which it's it's completed uh, in some time. Uh, and for something that almost every American goes through at some point in their life, um, paying rent, uh, we wanted to take a stab at at improving the the way it's done. Definitely so, and I think it is a really exciting opportunity for you know creating something a little bit better and being able to make that whole process so much easier seems like something that someone really should have done quite a while ago (laughs) yeah yeah that definitely true I think uh, we're benefiting now from uh, an advancement in certain technologies especially in the payment space that makes something like this possible Um, it is uh, definitely not a, a, a small undertaking to try to you know, continually transfer thousands of dollars of rent uh, on schedule. And it's because of these underlying technologies that, that make it all possible. Definitely so. So tell me a little bit about how RentDrop came about. Like what kickstarted this journey for you? Sure. Uh, I think it, it, it is the inevitable... Uh, uh, meeting of different paths I went on uh, in, in my life. Um, so I started off my career in private equity real estate, uh, and I was charged with uh, analyzing multi-property investments. And these were properties with thousands and thousands of units um, to see if we could purchase it at a price, change the units in some way to improve our investment, and then sell it down the road uh, and make you know the required rate of return that we were looking for. Um, I didn't necessarily love the job, but I learned a lot about the real estate space uh, and learned a lot about running a business because a real estate property really is its own business. You have to learn marketing in terms of getting renters in. You have to learn operations and process to make sure that renters stay. Uh, And you have to think a lot about the financial aspect. And so it was an incredible learning experience for me. Um, after that, I worked uh, out in Silicon Valley at a fintech startup called ZenBanks, which was trying to improve the digital banking experience for people who traveled uh, to different countries frequently. And it was an awesome idea, um, but these underlying technologies around the, the uh, transfer of money and, and sort of the banking space in general just weren't developed uh, enough yet. This was in 2013. Um, but again, that experience was pretty transformative in my understanding of the fintech space um, and kind of was another uh, piece to the, the puzzle that led to RentDrop. And then, and then finally, uh, I spent my last seven years at uh, HubSpot, where I started in operations, learned a lot about uh, subscription businesses, learned a lot about revenue retention, how to build out post-customer acquisition operational processes like support organizations, customer success. Uh, and then I spent the last four years at HubSpot uh, on the product team, 
where I got to work on building out our CRM and a variety of other products. And so I understood the importance of a really good product and how to engage with engineers, engage with your customers, understand how to find product market fit to structure an MVP. Um, and then I met Remen, who is my now co-founder, who is a product manager at HubSpot, uh, or who was a product manager at HubSpot uh, alongside me. And he was a former founder, was looking to start another company, and, and we really hit it off. And he asked if, if, we, uh, if we should go into business together. And it wasn't uh, until you know, a couple meetings later where uh, I proposed the idea of improving the rental experience um, for the long tail of the rental market. So landlords who own anywhere between one to five units and the tenants that uh, accompany those landlords. Brilliant. Yeah, it definitely sounds like your, you know, your journey kind of gave you all these ideas to, you know, start this business. Um, you mentioned, you know, your kind of co-founder having previous startup experience. Do you think that kind of aided you growing and, and kind of forming rent drop? Yeah, of course. I, I don't know if I would have had the guts to go out on my own. <laughs> It definitely took Remen to uh, convince me that I was capable of doing this because I, I think, you know, some people are definitely born with like the entrepreneurial gene where you just seek it out. And I have thought about it. My, my dad's an entrepreneur. My sister's an entrepreneur. And um, I, I guess I just didn't have the motivation or the confidence that I personally could do it. Um, and with Remen's guidance of like, even something as simple of him going out and creating a, a, an incorporation before, yeah. like something that I had no experience with, just led me to believe that we could do this. So absolutely. Definitely so. And, you know, do you think that's given you the spark now to come up with other ideas and get kind of stuck into the market? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think one thing at a time, you know, we, we really want to <laughs> see this, this project out, but you know, it, it definitely even now, you know, I'm, I'm over a year in, uh, which is still so early on, yeah. but I already know many things that I would do differently, whether if I could go back in time or, you know, in a, in a venture in the future, how, how I would just approach it differently. Definitely so. And I think that's something that everyone in the startup space can definitely understand is, you know, you do something right and you think, yeah, this is going really well. And then you probably need to redo it a million times over. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a good learning curve. Um, now, you mentioned there, obviously, kind of you've been doing Rent Drop now for, for just over a year. So, you know, founded in 2020. Do you think starting your business during what was probably quite a difficult time for a lot of people kind of during the pandemic? What kind of effect do you think that had on you starting Rent Drop? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I, th I think there were two important factors uh, that came with the pandemic that were actually beneficial to us starting. So the first factor was, um, didn't necessarily have to do with, with the pandemic, but Rendrop had been really successful and, and Remen and I had been there long enough where we had um, you know, gotten enough stock options where we could start funding the business ourselves. And so HubSpot definitely succeeded through the pandemic and that helped our ability to, to fund the company early on. Um, and two, you know, Rem and I work pretty hard. And when we were in the office, uh, we would make a lot of excuses to stay in the office. Uh, a lot of people, whether you were staying late to just grab beers after work or to work on, you know, another problem. Um, 
it didn't necessarily provide the freedom with commute, et cetera, to work mm -hmm. a lot of nights and weekends on that project while we were still employed. Uh, with the pandemic, taking those, you know, hour and a half commute out of the equation, mm -hmm. uh, we could really invest once we shut off the, the HubSpot Slack in working through the night and on weekends on this project. And I, I don't think that really would have been possible because our real lives would have gotten in the way. Um, and so being hunkered down in our apartments, you know, it gave us the, the time to do it. Definitely. And I think that's a really great opportunity that, like you say, not a lot of people would get. And, you know, unfortunately, you probably wouldn't have got that apart from the pandemic. So it's a really great opportunity. What do you think the hardest thing about starting during the pandemic was? So one of the hardest parts uh, starting during the pandemic was getting out and meeting um, with our future target customers, both landlords and tenants. I think that we, you know, did the best we could in scheduling Zoom interviews, uh, Google Meet interviews, finding people on LinkedIn. Um, but Boston is such an incredible place where, where Remin and I both live to meet landlords and tenants. There's mm. thousands of them, uh, a lot of universities, a lot of you know, these independent landlords and being on the ground would have been super helpful uh, mm. for us. Um, and then secondly, uh, being able to go to meetups and trying to get a CTO, and, and we maybe we'll talk about that later on, but that was a, a pivotal moment for us, neither of us being technical. Uh, trying to find a CTO we trusted. You know, early on, we were using uh, outsourced dev uh, found on Upwork to build our product. And we didn't have the level of visibility that we were used to working at HubSpot into how the product was being put together. And it led to a lot of issues down the road when we started to hire people in-house. And uh, hiring a full remote team is, is just, there's challenges with that when you've never met yeah. these people in person. Definitely so. I can, uh, you know, really imagine that that's a big issue. And I think quite a few people have seen that definitely in the, the kind of fintech space at the moment is it's hard to get that balance. Um, you know, we've essentially opened the market up to a lot, a lot more of a wider market than it used to be. Um, I think it brings pros and cons, definitely. Sure. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, and, and I think hiring is definitely the, the hardest piece. You know, in Boston, we have such a rich uh, engineering pool uh, to pull from. And before, when people were usually required to be in person, um, you know, having that pool in our backyard as, you know, this great new startup that had just been funded with, you know, ex an experienced entrepreneur, Remen and myself who had a lot of experience at HubSpot, uh, would have definitely been attractive. But mm. so many companies now can hire and tap into this Boston pool of, of engineers. And it made it incredibly competitive to, to try to find some of our early hires. Definitely so. Um, and I know we, we touched on this briefly and you said there's definitely things that you, you would do differently if you were starting sure. rent drop all over. What would that be? What would that look like? Yeah, so we actually uh, changed our, um, what the, the target market we were going after was. So, you know, when we looked at the space, we knew there was this um, subset of the property technology space called property management software. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Buildiums, Folio, et cetera. And we felt there wasn't a really compelling solution. A lot of the products just didn't have 
uh, a great look and feel to them from a from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, the go to market and the way that they attracted landlords was sort of a, a bit, you know, early 2000s, early SaaS. Um, and they were a SaaS product. A lot of landlords don't like having the cost of software eat into their already slim margins. And, and we felt we could disrupt that. You know, we're great product mm -hmm. managers. We can build a, a really slick, uh, easy to use tool. What I think we realized down the road was there, these people have been working in this space for tens of years and marketing to the customers in the same way, building a similar product that executes similarly. Maybe it looks better. Maybe it, it's, it's easier to use. Um, you're probably going to get the same results, right? Like even if you do it marginally better, if you, if you approach something the same way as people before you, you're probably going to get the same results. Yeah. And we took, you know, a step back and looked at the market and said, a lot of this pain is felt on the tenant side and no one's actively going after tenants independently. They are just a sub user on the overall landlord account. Mm -hmm. And without being able to go to them, it's like saying Uber just went after taxis to build an app that allowed them to find riders easier, yeah. not targeting the riders and creating this pool of riders so that now new drivers could be created in this market. And so there was a lot to unpack there on the tenant side, um, both from the pain they were feeling and solving it in a unique way uh, that Gen Z is about to enter this, this world of renting and, and none of the products resonate with them in the way that they use technology. Yeah. There was just a huge opportunity of going direct at the tenants, but also having a way for landlords to benefit from our product as well. And I think we would have targeted that side first versus mm -hmm. going landlords and then and then to tenants. Definitely so. And I think obviously what you say about Uber really resonates. And I think that explains very well, um, like you're saying, people kind of your younger generations coming into the market definitely need that platform and something that they're used to using and they're used to dealing with because you know, a lot of people aren't used to the typical ways that people do with renting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it's definitely, um, it's a really exciting opportunity for us. I think uh, where what excites us the most about this opportunity with the tenants is there are just some um, standards with renting that people have just to come to assume are to be true. Like almost as if it's a, a scientific law that that it just always is this way. A perfect example of this is paying on the first um, of the month and, and paying your rent monthly. It is the yeah. largest expense in a majority of people's uh, you know uh, expense you know overall mm -hmm. umbrella of expenses, and the fact that it, you have to pay once a month is largely based in rent checks was the only way rent was paid or cash for so yeah. long. And collecting a check every week was painful, both writing it and collecting it as the <laughs> landlord. So you wanted to pay monthly, but that's just not the world we live in anymore. Yeah. And so why can we not match your payment inflow if you get paid weekly uh, to your payment uh, outflow when it comes to rent? Why can't we help you out there? And on the landlord side, why can't we give you access to a year's rent up front? Why can't we give you access to a year's rent up front? We'll take uh, some percentage of that for paying you a year's worth of rent up front. We'll inherit those contracts and you can go build out your portfolio because now you have a year's worth of your promised ARR up front. Um, and so we, we, we look at Pipe, which does this in the SaaS space and say, no, a, a year rent contract is similar to a year 
subscription for, for a SaaS product, we could do similar things in terms of uh, the payment technology. Very much. And I think touching on kind of subscriptions, there's a lot of businesses now really realizing how they can apply this model of a subscription to their businesses. Um, and I think it's very much kind of part of the future, like modeling kind of subscription into that kind of payments process. Yeah, so I, I don't, like, one of the things that we have truly believed in is that, and, and we learned this with HubSpot's free CRM, is I think in this space, it has to be a freemium product. Mm -hmm. So um, landlords already contribute a ton of capital to their investment properties in uh, fixing repairs, in marketing their, their properties, uh, in their mortgage, the taxes, the utilities, tenants, it's by far the biggest expense in their life. Like, what other expenses mm -hmm. $2,000 a month? Uh, you know, and so I don't think it makes sense to, there's already enough money being exchanged. It doesn't necessarily make sense to tap on a monthly subscription for the service. Mm -hmm. Where I think we benefit is uh, taking a cut of, of, the, of, of the money that they're already spending. So if you are purchasing renter's insurance and your landlord requires it, which most do in the States, um, you can click one time get your renter's insurance policy through Rentrop, and we get a 10% cut of the whole policy. And yeah. so you are not spending any more money. We're just making it more convenient. And that's kind of how we've based on our pricing is, is, is that way. Definitely so. And I think that's a really attractive quality from kind of both the renting and like, you know, tenant point of view is to, to be able to do that like you say, you know, essentially free of charge, uh, you get this benefit from both sides without that extra cost. Um, and that's a really great, great thing to have. Now, touching a little bit on kind of your development journey, let's say, um, what do you think the biggest thing is that you've learned while developing Rent Drop that you think you're going to carry forward into, you know, other ventures developing Rent Drop? Wow, yeah. So I think... Um... There, there are two, uh, two pieces to this. I think one in, in terms of personal is it, it's really pushed me to get out of my comfort zone and do things that I sort of shied away from before. Uh, reaching out and asking people for money was something that I didn't do <laughs> really ever. Uh, and, uh, you know, figuring out taxes for a company to pay someone who works in, in uh, for us in California. Like these are things that definitely scared me in the past. And just going into it, I'm going to have the confidence next time to know I can do these things because I've done it before. Yeah. So, so definitely in terms of personal development, just the, the confidence that you can tackle pretty much all of this stuff if you just put your mind to it. And then from a tactical or, or strategic standpoint, um, you know, uh, Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, was is famous for saying, if you're not embarrassed by your first product release, you launched too late. And I think we, as much as I have read that before and heard that several times, uh, I definitely fell victim to not wanting to be embarrassed by my first release. Yeah. And um, both with being a perfectionist with how it looked, with trying to bake in a bit too many features, um, I would have worked a bit harder in uh, taking some of the things out of the product to just get some eyes on it. Because once we got eyes on it, people actually using it, the things we learned, it was incredible. Yeah. And I, we could never have learned that sitting in a room talking to each other. Definitely. So I think, um, you know, 
I was speaking to someone the other day in regards to kind of like startup world and we very much were saying you know if you're starting a business uh, like if if you're not failing then you are failing because you know there's always something that needs uh, changing and needs updating it's it's so true no 100% so I know we touched briefly on culture a little bit before but I mean I know after your time at HubSpot you really realized that kind of to create this successful business was kind of through culture so tell me a little bit about how you've you know taken this into consideration when starting rent drop oh yeah i i think if you know hubspot has been incredibly successful um and i can't imagine you could attribute that success to any one more important component than than culture like i, I think having been there for so long mm. um it is what made everyone want to stay. It is what made everyone work harder. It is what had our customers feeling like taken care of. Like it permeated out to our customers where they felt the effects of, of the culture. Um, and I, it wasn't a smokescreen. There weren't unfulfilled promises at all. Like it was not anything that was words on a deck or an acronym. Uh, the culture uh, was, you felt taken care of at every turn. Mm -hmm. And I think the two most important things I learned was one, culture is top down. Uh, words on a deck, acronyms, as I just mentioned, will not work unless your founders and leaders are the ones living up to them the most. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, transparency is something on your culture. If they're not the most transparent, those words mean nothing. Mm -hmm. And and where those words come into place and the, the outline that you've created, it's great for communicating what you expect from your employees when they're there. And it's a great tool for recruiting to as a framework to screen people say, do they fit this, these, these, these bullet points on our culture? Mm -hmm. uh, because if they don't, then it's going to be an uphill battle to work with this individual because they're going to be at odds with, with what, what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so our culture acronym, acronym is impact, uh, inspire excellence, make a difference every day, use good judgment, act with empathy, communicate openly and take risks. And I think the two that we care the most about are make a difference every day. You don't have to build the most amazing thing or solve this problem today. But if you make progress every day, it does not matter how small. If you can, you know, shut your laptop at the end of the day and say, I, I definitely made progress. We, we went forward. Yeah. And, and you get excited about that. That is something we absolutely look for. And then take risks. Uh, we want everyone to speak up if they think we could be doing something better and to take risks and to come up with ideas. This cannot be just Remin and I and Nick, our CTO, coming up with all the ideas and everyone executing it, it really everyone has to be risk takers in a way and we have means to make sure that we don't take risks as a as a organization uh in a in a way that's you know uh gonna get us into trouble but mm. each employee should be uh excited to take risks definitely and i think that you know sizing what you were saying about transparency i think the ability to take risks comes from knowing that your you, your opinions are going to be taken on and they're going to be listened to um, and that transparency from I think leaders such as you know yourself and um, and the rest of the team 
to to be open about responding to those I think is so important yeah I there's a there's a great video um that uh, Dharmesh Shah who's the co-founder of HubSpot uh and uh someone I, I absolutely look up to. He posted a really good uh, clip on his, his YouTube channel where he talks about culture. And one of the more important things is transparency. And a lot of leaders fall into the trap of not wanting to communicate the bad things. And it's not because you're trying to hide it from them or, or pretend like you're something you're not. You don't want them worrying. But if you're at every, every turn open and honest, then they know exactly the situation they're in. And if they believe in the mission, they're going to do go above and beyond or do something like maybe say, hey, cut my salary if we need more money or do something crazy like that because they know you're being honest and open with them yeah. and they want to, to be a part of that. Definitely. And I think it's a really big thing to take into a startup. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a risk sometimes getting into a startup. So having that transparency there and you know knowing what you're getting into is always so valued um and i think personally for me that that's something that really kind of got me wanting to work into a startup and wanting to work into you know that smaller business model yeah so do you think kind of like the culture in tech is much different to kind of other businesses that we may have out there it was definitely different than my time in private equity um It was, at first, it felt like you were drinking a bit of Kool-Aid, you know, the, the parties, the casual dress code. Um, and I think there's place for both. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you were definitely getting paid for maybe the worst culture in private equity. <laughs> the salary is a, is a bit better than, than in tech. Uh, but I personally think that the shift in culture to inclusivity into trying to find people of diverse backgrounds, not just color or race, but, you know, not necessarily uh, looking down on a resume that's not coming from an Ivy League school yeah. uh, has brought in a lot of talent that you wouldn't expect to be talent otherwise. Um, and I think that's one really great thing from the, from the tech culture of not really caring about resumes in the, in the, in the traditional sense that, that maybe banking or finance has, has cared about those things. Um, also like we spend so much time at work and if it's not yeah. a place you enjoy being like, I loved the free coffee at HubSpot. Uh, you know, we, we're a startup. We can't afford that stuff now. And our culture yeah. has to come from really taking care of our people from an emotional perspective and, and, and. Uh, making sure we're good friends and they're building relationships, like offering them what we, what we can. Mm. Um, but we worked, we spent too much of our time at work for it to be a place where you, you don't necessarily want to be. And I think that tech has really done that. Uh, and that's why so many people gravitate to these big companies that like Facebook and Google where the, the, the culture and the experience you have while you're there is, is it's exciting and it's, it's incredible. Definitely so. I think it is something that really attracts um, so many people to, to the tech world. But what do you think kind of like the key parts of Rent Drops cultures that stands out? If you had to pick one, what would you kind of take away and what would you want people to focus on? Yeah. So I, I talked about making a difference every day and, and, and taking risks. I think 
the one thing that it might not appear on our 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 slide deck, but it's how each other um, is great at listening. The sort of lack of micromanaging, you know, that's something that Rem and Nick and I absolutely want no part of. Um, we feel that everyone has uh, an equal right to come up with ideas. Mm. Um, and so every one of our meetings feels so collaborative and we arrive at a conclusion in a way where uh, everyone was really a part of, of, of getting us there. And secondly, like the way in which we um, treat customers, and this is something else I learned at HubSpot where your support in the, in the way in which you answer questions and offer help to your customers is a game changer in your success. Yeah. It, it's not just about the quality of the product or the pizzazz of the brand. It, it, it's the way that the company makes you feel and treat it as a, as a customer. And even though we're a free product and we might not have dedicated support for, uh, you know, in the long run, um, just the way in which we think about our customers, you know, one of our number one metrics we track is um, time it takes to solve a bug. You know, mm. we must solve every bug in under eight hours. Some can't be solved in under eight hours, but we need yeah. to at least have a resolution plan and communicate that to the customer. And that's the most important metric we look at every single month mm -hmm. is how well we did on, against that. Amazing. No, definitely. I think um, it can be agreed definitely from my side and yours that, you know, the kind of culture that you are putting across is very attractive um, from both sides. And I think it makes people, like you say, want to come to your company from both candidate and, you know, customer sides. Um, so kind of just to finish off now, I personally think obviously RentDrop's a great company. I think it's a really good opportunity to help out this rental market. But what do you think the future of RentDrop looks like? Yeah, I, I definitely think we're more of a fintech business, I think, looking mm -hmm. into the future. And I think that at every turn, so we have, we have four pillars uh, we have when it comes to making a payment. The who, who can make a payment. Traditionally, it's just the tenant maybe a parent if you're in college and they're, and they're helping, helping with your rent. Mm. Uh, the how, traditionally check. The when, again, traditionally once a month. And the value you get from that. So right now it's just a roof over your head. We aim to build up those four pillars until there's a lot of meat on in, in each of them. For who can help you pay rent if it's not just you, whether it's making it easy for employers to contribute if they're relocating you or, you know, uh, fans, if you're um, uh, an influencer, or if you're trying to raise money for your rent, or your parents contributing, uh, the uh, val or I'm sorry, the how right now check, but ACH, credit card, crypto, however you want to to mm. pay, um, the when, so breaking it up so that you can come up with payment schedules that more fit you as long as you're making rent, uh, and then the value, building your credit score. Almost 90% of, of renters do not build their credit score with rent because the landlords don't report it because it's a lot of work, mm -hmm. but we can do that. Um, it could be earning money in other ways on renting. It could be saving money is another way when renting. And so building out the value prop that you're not just getting a roof over your head when you're spending this. Uh, so I think each one of those we're taking a, a look at and figuring out how we can improve it. And so uh, the future of Rentrop is... Uh, 
you know, we're a company that is, is going to change the way in which Gen Z will experience paying their rent. Um, uh, and they really won't have ever had a different experience besides a rent shop uh, is, is, is our hope. Definitely so. And I think I can definitely uh, see that in your future. Um, definitely. So it's been such a lovely pleasure speaking to you and hearing your story and essentially getting a little bit more of your wisdom after starting up your own um, startup. So that is all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Lauren, thank you so much for having me. No worries. So thank you to everyone listening and make sure to tune in next time for Growing Tech Facts. <laughs>